and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the elusive Matt. Hello there. <sighs> All right, then, and name of the Doctor this week. Well, I, I need to start with a bit of an admission. Okay, go in on. In relation to this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was watching it yesterday. Yeah. And it didn't really grab me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a nice sort of warmish day. I kind of shut my eyes and drifted away. So mm-hmm. you might have to fill in the last sort of 10, 15 minutes of the episode. It's the first episode where I've watched that I haven't finished. Oh, <laughs> uh, what a wag you are, Matt. Yeah, I know. But do you know what? All jokes aside, I, I put a very similar comment out on our Twitter and the backlash uh-huh. I have received. <laughs> Like, it started uh, with, like, genuine sincerity. Just like, oh, if you can, I'd really recommend you just watch the last sort of five, ten minutes. Through to, like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I'm pretty disappointed that this is the episode you've chosen not to finish. Just to outright, just, offence. So, <laughs> obviously, I watched it one. all the way through. I, there's yeah. nothing I wouldn't do for this podcast. If anything, I'm, like, the ultimate Doctor Who fan. I'm more of yeah. a Doctor Who fan than, like, our listeners. <laughs> I mean, t- to be fair, uh, your dedication is not in doubt as far as I'm concerned. I still remember the early days where you would, where you were willingly watching episodes twice before yeah. recording. Watching You're them, not once, that on the head watching them quick, again though, to make you? notes. No, now I just sort <laughs> of do it at my own leisure. Yeah, just bumble through it, which is fair enough. Um, so now that that joke's out the way... Yeah. Yeah, I, I would just recommend anyone listening, now's the time. If you need to, go to the toilet, make yourself a cup of tea, because I, I think it's safe to say we're going to be in for a long haul today. I think perhaps we are, yes. I, I um, think last week was one of our like longest ever episodes, and it was an episode <laughs> we didn't want to talk about. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't want to pull back the curtain too much, but... Quite often we'll have a little chat before we start recording, yeah. Uh, but we haven't today. So no, all I, those I just... sideways discussions that people that people really come for, you know, <laughs> they they come for the Doctor Who, but they stay for those chats. You've got all that as well as an episode. I'm going to say it. I quite liked. Did you? Um, I basically hate this one. I'm I'm going to say this <laughs> episode is ninety percent rubbish, but the ten percent that's good is so good that it yeah. sort of left me on a bit of a high. Yeah, that, that's exactly how I felt about it on my first viewing. I was like, the, 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 all of the, the machinations to get us to that end point almost faded away into nothing because the, the, like, I swear, at the end of that episode, like, I had, like, ringing in my ears. Uh, how, how I, I was, think like, from, like, the approach. blood pressure or whatever. I was just like, what is... What what, what, what so I think yes. we should do is save any discussion about the ending until yeah. the end of this episode. Oh, this is gonna I, that's gonna be hard for me. Yeah, I'll try I, my I level best. I don't want us to. to I think not we'll, to we'll use blow, too crass of friends. No, I don't want to blow our load too. Early. No, yeah, yeah. I think you're probably right. Um, so I, I know there's people that probably are listening just to find out what we think of that last five minutes yes but now I we're gonna so. sucker them in they have to listen yeah. to the whole thing if only we had adverts 
It's going to be hard for me as well, because that's really, that's all I want to talk to you about. Yeah. I just want to get, you know, finally get your reaction to that. But I think you're right. I think we do kind of have to save that for the end in the so same way that the episode if, does. So if you are listening and you're just going to fast forward all the way through to the end, yeah. before you do, don't forget, we're approaching episode 100. I've written nine verses of my poem for Jesus. our episode 100 poetry competition. <laughs> Mine's a little more sparing, I think. Uh, well, we've had two submissions. Oh, I'm excited. Ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it would be great, to, genuinely great to get a few more. I think that's a really lovely thing to be doing. Um, and I hope people, you know, uh, do get on board right, with that. And also week, some questions. If you don't take part yeah. in this competition, you're not allowed to listen to the podcast anymore. Yeah, it would be great to get some audio questions from people or even just pop us an email if you're not comfortable having your voice on on the uh, podcast we'd love to get some questions in probably i think we'll put those in uh our series seven wrap up so once we've got the specials out of the way oh, so we can have a big old to keep people entertained yeah you know if they're a little bit depressed that they've finished their poem and their life's work is over yeah know. get I've some questions in of some of our yeah. listeners they've got nothing better to do than write a poem yeah, but obviously do keep in mind that we record a little bit in advance. L- lay off anything too spoilery just yet, because you know, as as we're recording this, Matt's not seen anything beyond this episode. So you know, and there is some spoilery stuff out there. So so um, yeah, questions, but but be cautious about it because Matt does see that the, what comes in on the Speaking email. Speaking of spoilers, yeah. if we go back to this episode. Yeah. Um, I, I was just reading on the Wikipedia. Did you mm-hmm. know this episode was spoilt in the America? Was it? Yeah. Uh, uh, just from the Wikipedia. A week uh-huh. before the official premiere of Name of the Doctor, it was announced that 210 Doctor Who fans in the US received their Blu ray box set of the second half of the seventh season oh early due to a production. God. Error. <laughs> oh my God. After successfully requesting that they not reveal the plot, the BBC mm-hmm. sent the recipients copies of an interview with the cast. Moffat later complimented the 210 of them with the top secret episode in their grasp. And because we oh. asked nicely, they didn't breathe a word. That's Well, isn't that a credit to our fandom? Because that is, you know... There are a lot of fandoms where I don't think you would up. get that. You know, can you imagine if someone got hold of a leaked earliest copy of a star wars movie or something no chance that they don't start just blasting spoilers all over the internet mm. but yeah no I'm this came as a genuine shock to me properly spoilt for me mm. in that sense um i don't know because when those episodes of game of thrones leaked early mm. I, I just watched them yeah i I don't think I did. I think I managed to hold off and I just would... But I went to the effort of just basically not being on the internet for for a week. Th- uh, that's th- generally what I do if I need to avoid spoilers. I just... I'm, I, it's hard, but I do just go cold turkey on the internet. Yeah. I mean, I, I've mentioned quite often that um, I, I, as a child, I really liked WWF wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I still watch it occasionally. And their their big show of the year is called WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, in the UK, it's on at about three in the morning. Mm-hmm. So on the day that that shows, if I'm at work, I effectively delete social media for a day. Yeah. Until I can Some... get home. 
Sometimes it's what you got to do. I'll tell you who's, who's... It's not the most major thing in the world to be spoiled for, but I still distinctly remember... Um, you know what, our friend, we've, uh, our, our gaming friend Roy that we mentioned a couple of times previously uh, on yeah. the pod, he is the worst person I know for just casually spoiling shit. Yeah, because he, he just... He consumes films on a daily basis. He just inhales them. Yeah. It seems um, like. You know... And, and he he talks about them in such... And it's just because he's so enthusiastic yeah. that it all just comes out in this great big flood of information. And it's just like, oh, well, thanks, Roy. I was looking forward to watching that, but I guess I don't need to bother now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Worst example for me was um, when uh, I, I mentioned to him that I'd been watching the rather cheesy uh, sci-fi show uh, Warehouse 13. Um, it's which is you know nothing to write home about, but it's good fun for what it is kind of show. Um, and I said to him, "Oh yeah, I've just I'm just getting to the end of season one. I'm really into it." And then he started just sort of blurting out season three spoilers at me. Yeah, and I just said, "Roy, I I literally just said to you, I've I'm just getting to the end of season one." <laughs> yeah. Quite often, I think the few times I've been to the cinema with him, yeah. Um, I distinctively remember we went to watch, I think it was Age of Ultron. Right, The yeah. Avengers film. And I think we'd agreed to meet at about 7 o'clock because in the town where Roy lives, there's a little like independent cinema. Yeah. Earlier in that day, I drove to the other big cinema near where I live, just watched uh-huh. it on my own, and then went and watched it with him. Just so he couldn't tell me it. Yeah. That's, it's a smart way to play, do it sometimes. Yeah. Um, so then... Uh, I don't know, has there been any other Doctor just, Who news this week? We it's been, it's been a been last week. I think that there's still... People are still sort of getting over that. To be honest, I think it's just going to be... From this point on, it's just going to be trickles about Time Lord Victorious for the foreseeable. Um, I'm, I'm very... Well, haven't we talked much about the status of like series 13 because obviously series 12 aired just as the COVID-19 pandemic was ramping up and kind of finished broadcasting a couple of weeks or something before we went into lockdown. Um, So they were just starting to ramp uh, getting gearing up for production for series 13. And then it's kind of put the kibosh on it. And I know the um, one of the higher ups at, BBC Wales has basically said, look, some TV we can start to think in terms of going back into production for soaps and things like that, where it's not impossible to do it in a socially distanced way. Yeah. But a show like Doctor Who, um, you know, the amount of costume and makeup and and stunt people, and it's just, it's not a practical kind of thing. It's too high, uh, it's too high budget and high... uh, intensity in terms of production for it to be a realistic option so like things have kind of stalled a bit in terms of doctor who news of of the show itself because nobody can do anything right now i'm hoping it just means people are just kind of really just polishing their scripts over and over and they're going to be like just if if the next series is not like the sharpest batch of episodes imaginable then people are going to have to answer some really difficult questions i feel like I mean, part of me is really happy with that because obviously my ultimate goal is to get 
Doctor Who cancelled. Uh huh. But then it makes me sad because if there's no new Who, you're going to force me to watch old Who. Yeah, there'll probably be a lot more old Who. I've started. Um, I've started work on the schedule. You know, um, we've got an episode schedule of like you know when we're going to hit different things, and I've I've been sort of toying with a couple of ideas for what to do when we eventually catch up. One of which is non-canonical month. Okay. Just t- tackling a load of non-canonical Doctor Who stuff. Um, and the other one is uh, doing a bit of Time Lord Victorious. This is assuming Time Lord Victorious isn't a massive flop. Right. Uh, but well, even, you know what? Even if it is, if it's an interesting flop, then we'll do it. Well, the rule is no Troughton. Oh, fuck off. I, I, was, w- I-, I was thinking last night after I'd watched this episode, because obviously uh-huh. you get all the flashbacks to all the like old You doctors. do. Yeah, and you I, get some I real thought, fan service in this You know, we're, we're fast approaching watching Paul McGann in the movie. Yes. I was like, I might just have a little rank of, like, the classic Doctors. Just, you know. That First might of all, be I was trying to see if I could discussion. remember them yeah. all from memory. Uh-huh. And then I was just like, um, who's the worst? And for me, it's Troughton and McCoy. Hmm. Well, I'm I'm gonna just bite my tongue on that one. Uh, In fact, I might as well. When we watch that film, I might give my definitive rankings of the old Doctors. Definitive, never gonna change, based on like the one episode you've seen of each of them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know how many do yeah, you need to I'm, see? I'm I I am would genuinely be interested in that. So I think that we'll definitely do that um, next week. That that'll be fun. Who do you um, think would win in a fight, Troughton or McCoy? Uh, well, not, not as the are doctor. We talking, Imagine just as the human they go being. to a convention, yeah. and yeah. and everyone's loving David Tennant, and Troughton says, "Well, I'm the best doctor," and McCoy gets really angry and they have a punch up. Who do you think would win? McCoy. Really? Certainly, if we're talking that, if we're talking the age they were when they were put playing the doctor, because I think that's fair. Because otherwise, I mean, Troughton's dead. So, you know, we kind of have to... We, <laughs> the there has to be some time travel involved. <laughs> um, but McCoy used to do a lot of, like, physical theatre and cabaret. So he might not look fit, but I imagine he has a higher level of fitness, whereas Troughton famously did not enjoy doing theatre work. Right. He, like, he was a screen actor. So there's a lot more sitting around... <laughs> in a chair going over your script um so i think mccoy was probably more physically fit than troughton who do you think's the hardest doctor pertwee if we if including modern doctors then eccleston oh yeah eccleston i'm not picking a fight with eccleston <laughs> i reckon top three has got to be eccleston pertwee yeah pertwee's a bruiser for sure i'd maybe go if... McGann, but he's got such like a delicate face no, McGann, McGann's, a, <laughs> McGann's a, a, a pansy. Um, I, I mean, Pertwee, definitely. Pertwee, Pertwee was in the Navy. Yeah, I wouldn't mess with Pertwee. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm trying to think. I mean, Tennant, Tennant's just skin and bones, isn't he? Yeah. You could just push him over. Um, like, I reckon, I reckon Matt Smith could get angry. I reckon so. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't want to get on Matt Smith's uh, wrong side. Anyway, um I think that's probably enough preamble. Should we I think it, the time has come. We need we need to discuss the name of the doctor in earnest. Right. 
Um, so I say there's a lot 14. to get through. I say that every week. Is there a lot to get to in this one? Uh, I wouldn't say I've made any more notes than usual. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Let's see how we get on. We'll, we can breeze through this. Yeah. Okay, so it's episode 14 of season 7. Yep. From the 18th of May, 2013. And written by Stephen Moffat. Naturally. So, we open on Gallifrey. We do. And yeah, so... I, I wanted to ask, I think this is the first time I've seen, probably not that you've seen, a TARDIS mm. in a different form other than the police box. Oh, yes, it probably is. Yeah, so it, you're seeing them in their sort of natural, just uncloaked like state. Tube. Yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to think. Yes, no, you definitely... They are shown in similar fashion at some point in Classic Who. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing it's just because in Classic Who it was made like a Blue Peter Tracy Island and it was just a bog roll. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so we see the first Doctor stealing yeah. the TARDIS. We've sort of... Yeah. Had that we, mentioned in the past? Yeah, or going all the way back to the classic series, it has been mentioned, but now we are finally seeing it. This is technically the earliest we have ever seen the Doctor hmm. in in his own timeline. Yeah. Which this, is this is crazy. Earlier than the unearthly child. Yes, yeah, because he'd already, you know, run away and had been living on Earth for several months with Susan by that hmm. point. Um. So, yeah, this is... Moffat is not pulling his punches here in terms of, like, getting knee-deep into capital L law, mm. you know. And this is something where, like, you've got to be damn careful, you know, because fans can be get very... You know what fans are like when people start messing with law. Yeah. Um, what do you think but... would have happened if he just totally changed it? <sighs> if, like... In... You know when Clara says, oh, you're making a big mistake? Uh -huh. Instead of that, she was like, why do you always want a TARDIS? Why don't you get this sick skateboard? And he just does some, like, <laughs> some sweet jumps over ramps. Uh, I don't know. Maybe ask Chris Chibnall about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I, I, it's it's exciting. It's it's you you know you're in for something special already. I yeah. think with that opener, and don't I, you? I think with you know I said last week I, I wasn't interested in this finale. You know this series I found quite underwhelming after yeah. Amy and Rory have left, but immediately hitting us with something big. Yeah, I was on board, and. This is kind of the it's it's these episodes. I'm not going to lie. These episodes are one of the reasons that I wanted you to have at least a taste of the classic Doctors. I wanted these faces to mean something to you, mm. even if it's not as much as it means to someone who grew up with the show or has watched every classic story ever and is and is a card carrying Doctor Who fan. At least, hopefully, you're getting a sense of. A genuine sense of the legacy of this show. Yeah, but what's it, being explored I've, here? I've sort of, in the two years or so that we've been doing this, I've sort of established my own nostalgia, if that yeah. makes sense. So I don't really care when it's, you know, trouting, waffling on. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I hear, like, absolutely fantastic or a oh, little bit yeah. of a Lonzi. Yeah, you, know? you just get that tingle, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
But anyway, yes. Yeah, so so uh, Clara's te- you know telling the doctor, the first doctor, that he's about to make a big mistake. And then we yeah. see her not necessarily interacting, but being present with mm-hmm. all other doctors. Yes. Yeah. And hats off to the editors. This must have been a hugely challenging thing to do because you know they're taking old, quite ropey footage in a lot of cases and trying to make it palatable for high definition viewing mm. and tra- transposing onto that and and you know another character <laughs> that is hard work yeah well, uh, the, it, i dread to think the amount of time and effort that went into it, doing this it's funny sequence. you say that because this week i've been watching i don't know if you're aware on dave they're doing a documentary series about red dwarf all right uh, so i've been watching that it's about you know the production and the history mm. of the show yeah. And they showed you the scene, you know the episode where they're able to go into photographs? I don't know if you've ever seen that episode. It's ringing very... I haven't watched Red Dwarf for so, so long. you know, Crichton yeah. projects like historical pictures and they're able to uh-huh. enter the projection. And there's right. one where Lister is at Nuremberg, basically, mm-hmm. with Hitler. Yeah. And at the time, I thought, oh, that's really impressive. But watching it back now... I was like, oh, you can see like the green yeah. screen lines around him. Yeah. But it's done a lot better in this episode. Yeah, definitely. I mean, but I know there's come like 30 long, years long difference, but Yeah. But uh, but even even then it's uh, like it, it's like I say, just so much effort will have gone into making that look as seamless as it is. Mm. Um And like so, I yeah. say, I imagine as a Doctor Who fan, that was just like a wet dream to you. I felt very giddy watching that sequence. I'm not going to lie. I felt very, do, very do giddy. Do you still get the same feeling from it? Having not yeah. already seen it? I do. I do. Yeah. It's just, it's... It, remember, we were talking last week about the the, the moment where um, the Doctor and Mr. Clever, as he is known, the Cyber Planner, mm-hmm. are having their face off in their sort of screensaver world. And yeah. it flashes through all the Doctor's... Previous yeah. Doctor's images, and I was like, it felt like pandering. That that's a textbook example of how not to do it. This is pandering again, but it feels substantial and it feels important, and well, it's not kind I, I, of I just think lazy. You've just got to look at the comparative effort. One of them yeah. was just projections of faces, and, and like obviously just the promo images that always get used again and again. Yeah. Whereas this was, you know. A full dynamic scene. Yeah, yeah. So it's an amazing sequence. Just taken in isolation. So Clara says she feels she's a million places at once, but she doesn't know where she is. And we've seen that before as well, haven't we? The old, I don't know where I am. Yeah, yeah. Was that the Dalek Asylum? It was uh, the the, um, Bells of St. John. Ah, People were trapped in the internet. Yeah. Okay. So she says... I'm the impossible girl. And at this point, I was like, yeah, we fucking know. All right, let it go. (laughs) But then she says, I was born to save the doctor. And Mm -hmm. that's where I, again, was like, oh, okay. Let's see where we're going. Yeah, Maybe we're actually going to get some answers here. And I I think one of the highest praises I can give this episode is I watched it all in one sitting. That is high praise from you. I know. Normally I, like, go to the baker's. I'll just find an excuse to break it up. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, 45 uninterrupted minutes. Amazing. So we get the titles, and 
we are back in London in 1893. Mm-hmm. So this must be shortly after we last saw Vastra and Strax so. and Jenny Flynn. Yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, I'll be able to tell you. So, not Nightmare in Silver. The Crimson Horror was 1893. So, Oh, yeah. So, so same, same year. year. I've got all turned around mm. in my notes there. So, we are introduced to a prisoner who's yep. sort of got the ramblings of a madman. He's, yeah, like he's whispering like... a rhyme over and over again. Mm-hmm. And Moffat does love his, his sort of nursery rhymes, doesn't I he? I did have to check. I was like, is it the yeah. same one? No, it's a new one, but it's just it's just obviously just a thing he likes. A sort of bit of a trope of his. So um, Madame Vastra appears. Yeah. And it's it's good to see her. Like I I yeah. I like the fact that she's sort of like embedded now. Yeah, they feel like old friends, don't they? Yeah. I think if it was just someone random from like some episode in season two. But I like the fact that They've become almost like a narrative tool, mm-hmm. you know. Instead of just constantly introducing new people, I yeah. mean, I, I did say in my message to you yesterday, this is the first episode I think I've watched where I recognised all the characters. I didn't have to Wikipedia <laughs> yeah. to check anyone's name. Or yeah, because I'm trying to think. Other than, I think it is just this murderer is the only actual new introduction. That and the monsters. Mm. Which we'll get on to. Yeah. Um, so he says that the Doctor has a secret. Mm-hmm. And I think we were sort of aware of that. A secret yes. he'll take to his grave. Mm-hmm. And, and it is discovered. Yeah. So mm. that sort of expands what we already knew. Yes. So we knew he had a secret. We knew yeah. about his grave. We knew that, you know, Trenzalor is on the horizon at least. Mm-hmm. But then when he says it is discovered, that's like developing that lore, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I don't think we knew at any point it was going to be a discovered secret. It was just something the Doctor was protecting. Yes. So Jenny Flint hears like a whisper on the wind. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, Should I might let you take the lead on this little bit. Because what? How we get into the sort of dream seance? No, no, no. Thing? The part no. where um, Vastra is mad that Strax had learnt of the idea oh. and the concept of a weekend off. <laughs> yes, and she says, "I wish he'd never discovered that place." Yeah, and it uh, hard cuts to Glasgow. Yeah, <laughs> and Strax is just having a punch up with a local. Yeah, He's I think it refers to refers to his Delightful primitives or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Strax is just gold for me. Yeah. Strax is just a precious thing and must be protected. I, I, I don't at all think costs. I wrote it down in my notes, but my favourite reoccurring joke with Strax is that he refers to Jenny Flint as boy. And he, yeah. he has no he concept just... of gender. No, because I'm pretty sure. Santarans don't have genders. Like No, because they just have cloning, yeah. don't they? Yeah, yeah. So they are all like the one gender. So yeah, he's he's not the best when it comes to pronouns. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, someone hands him I think the little boy that hands him the note, is that Tom yeah. Tom? I don't think it is, but it, it feels like it might, uh, because it's got a Scottish accent this time and stuff. But uh, yeah. like it we have seen a lot of um 
Strax interacting with urchins, haven't yeah. we? <laughs> yeah. So he receives a letter on his weekend off to say that yeah. Vastra is doing a conference call. Yes. Now, and so he asks the bloke to um, render him unconscious. Yeah. And he hands him his own weapon and says, yeah. you're going to need this. It might take a while. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. the next person summoned to the conference call is Clara who yeah. is making a souffle for Angie and Artie. Uh-huh. You know, it's good to see them back, isn't it? Oh, yes, what a treat. Um, the fans were really clamouring for that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Madame Vastra sends Clara a candle and says, mm-hmm. once you light this, you'll, you know, be rendered unconscious, you'll stay in yeah. the same place, but your mind is able to travel through time and join us. Yes. Clara throws the candle to the floor and basically says, mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. And as she mm-hmm. reads on, it turns out that the same chemical in the candle has been imbued into the paper. <laughs> and I don't and know, she's out like light. I don't know if I like the comical fall to the ground that Clara mm. does. You know, like her think, eyes roll back in her head. and Yeah. I, I think Moffat is just at this point trying to cram as much humour as, uh, as, he, as he can early on because he knows how serious it's going to get later. Hmm. So I think it's trying to be quite a light-hearted start to this story, basically. Um, and but yeah, and she she kind of emerges uh, sort of around a table. Yeah. And with, also uh, present is River Song. Yes. Now, I, yeah. I can't really remember, but I, I don't know whether or not, in early on in the run, mm-hmm. I had said that I didn't like River Song. But... She's quickly becoming, like, one of my favourite characters. I'm glad you're enjoying River, yeah, yeah. Like... It's... And I think she's the most unexpected element in this episode. Yeah. I certainly did not anticipate her being featured until until all of a sudden she's there. Especially, um, there was... The last time we saw her, there was, like, an element of finality about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... So, yeah. so it is nice to see her. And obviously this is, we later established, this is her, this is the latest we have seen her. Yes. Because this is actually taking place after uh, the library. Yes. In her timeline. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know whether we knew this or not, but she basically says once she died, she's stored in that library. Yes, we do, we do see the Doctor doing that at the end of that episode. Is that at the end of Silence in the Library? Yes, yeah. Oh, yes, I do remember, because they have those data thingies. Yeah, so, like, because she's she's basically done this noble sacrifice, and he's not quite willing to let it go, so he, like, rushes back, saves her, and and, and uploads her onto... Yeah, now that you've said that, I do remember But, yeah, so so that's kind of interesting. Again, like, her... Rizong's timeline gets even more screwy, like, because you'd think that is about as final as you could get. Yeah. And yet here she is. <laughs> and I think it's important we make this note now because I'll forget to make it later. Yeah. Because River Song is dead. Yeah. She has a telepathic link with Clara through this sort of seance meeting. Yes. So yeah. in later appearances in this episode, she's only appearing to Clara. Yes. Yeah. Okay. She's basically like Cla- Clara's consciousness is, is essentially sustaining her. Yeah. As like a sort of, she's basically like a force ghost, isn't she? A little bit. A little At this bit. point, <laughs> yeah. So the prisoner that Vastra had been speaking to 
gave her space-time coordinates to mm-hmm. the Doctor's biggest secret. And Jenny Flint hears that whisper again. Yeah. And we find out that the biggest secret the Doctor has is on Trenzalore. Mm-hmm. That we've repeatedly had acknowledged to us is the site of the Doctor's grave. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. it turns we've out... Had, we've had multiple mentions of Trenzalore peppered throughout yeah. proceedings. Was the first mention, it was in that episode with the blue head in the box that I can't remember mm. his name. I think it was Wedding of River Song was the first time. Right. So, yeah. So, the reason Jenny is hearing these whispers whilst in the trance is because someone is in their house. So, yeah. her physical state is being attacked by these people. The Whispermen, con- as they're known. Yeah. Yeah. Should we talk about the Whispermen? Yeah, let's just talk about the design of the Whispermen quickly. Um, I think I it, it's would a... not have liked this if I was a child. Yeah, <laughs> how freaky. They're, they're sort of. For sure. They're one of the lesser PG villains, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like you, yeah, you could definitely imagine a version of this in like a more hardcore '80s slasher style. Well, they they film, resemble the Slenderman. Yeah. Slightly. There's, so they're like there's a, a touch tall, of that about thin it. gentleman in Victorian yeah. garb. Yeah, they're effectively they're sort of modelled on undertakers. Yeah. With like a touch of uh, the Invisible Man because they've got the sort of bandaged faces, mm-hmm. but or, or like mummies or something. But then they've got like these gaping maws. Yeah. And so that, that's yeah, their they're really like freaky physical feature on their face. Yeah. Isn't it? What yeah. I would say is overall, I think they're a little bit disappointing because whilst I visually they're really striking and the whispering is creepy and stuff like that they move really slowly and quite quickly if they don't they don't kind of like actually seem they don't seem to pose the kind of threat you think they're going to pose no but you know what i mean late, later in the episode i'm going to talk about one aspect of them a little bit yeah. more that i don't want to spoil yeah. it but yeah, so I would say overall, I feel like it's a strong design and it's not capitalised on as best as it could have, maybe. Um, but anyway, yeah, so they've broken into the house, the, the, like the physical house of uh, Vastra and, and Jenny. Yeah. So, like we say, Jenny Flint has been murdered. Yeah. So in order to prevent- it's really sad the way she does it as well, where she just she sort of apologizes saying, I'm so sorry, Mom, I think I've been murdered. And you like you get the close up of like a single tear rolling well, down her cheek. I, I think of the three, Vastra, Strax and Jenny. Yeah. I mean I like I like each of them and I like them for mm-hmm. different reasons. But I think yeah. Jenny might be my favourite in, yeah. in the sense that she's the normal one, wrapped yeah. up in all this madness. You know, I think if yeah. if Vastra was the one that was killed, because she's alien to us, but there's yeah. a vulnerability about Jenny Flynn yeah. that makes her and death also, a bit more tragic. Definitely. And, and Vastra as well is quite sort of cold and imperious. You know, mm. I mean, at the end of the day, they've, they, they, they acknowledged in her, in the snowmen that like she was basically the inspiration for Sherlock Holmes. So mm. she has that kind of quality to her where she's not, she doesn't kind of like show her warm side very often, um, but yeah, Jenny is is a lot more relatable. Um, I, I like that you say she's a normal one. I guess she's normal by 
Doctor modern Who standards, standards or t- TV standards. But if you think about the fact that, you know, the time in which she was killer. living, a, tra- a, a, a female drain- trained killer and also <laughs> homosexual and yeah. quite open about it, these are not normal things for 1893. Was there any backlash at the time? If you think about no. how mental Doctor Who fans went at the the disgrace of the idea of the Doctor being a woman, how did they react to homosexual characters? Because I think, on the whole, I mean, we, we've talked at length about yeah. RTD and, you know, his role in that. Uh-huh. I, I feel it's quite an LGBT-friendly show. Yes, you know? certainly. I, I think that from from the moment RTD took the reins in 2005, that was something he was keen to do with it. And some there was a small, a very small slice of fandom that would moan about RTD's, in inverted commas, gay agenda. Mm. <laughs> I'd, like... I, I'd be quite interested if yeah. if anyone's listening and... You know, don't don't feel you have to, but if you mm. are a listener of our show and a member of the LGBT community, I'd be quite interested to know how you feel about the representation. Because mm. my yeah, my you know, my, my we, pers- we've got like quite an extreme example in Captain Jack. Yes, yeah, and who then, is just you know here omnisexual, a semi serious representation. Yeah, I, I, mean, I would be if- interested to know like. I might read up on that today. I might do a bit mm. of googling just to see there, how there people is, feel. There is definitely there's a lot of like academic writing about it because I think it is in the way with I think a lot of science fiction and fantasy tends towards being more progressive mm. than a lot of other um, drama. You know, you look at the fact that isn't Star Trek on record as is at the first TV show to show an interracial yes. kiss? Yeah, yeah, and things uh, her, like that. Uh, so, and Kirk wasn't it yeah so you know i think because people you have the 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 sort of get out clause of oh it's the future or oh it's a different world or whatever it is there's been that huge it gives you that little more wiggle room i I don't know if you've been following it there's a huge furore in the news at the moment that uh i can't remember the name of the show but a cbbc show Uh has shown uh, a queer relationship i believe it's two girls right and you know, there's been absolute, like, oh, my God, they're, they're poisoning we, we, the youth. Yeah, we need to stop with that. We yeah. just shush everyone. Shush, but, it's fine. You know, I, I know we've sort of <laughs> joked about it, but I think in yeah. a show where a man has a relationship with a cat, this mm-hmm. I think it does deal with that issue of homosexuality and, you know, well, sac- sexuality as mm-hmm. a whole. I think it does deal with it appropriately yeah it de- they don't lay it on too thick they just it's just it's just there you know yeah it's just there and it's not a big deal nobody in, in the show makes it a big deal and therefore it doesn't need to be a big deal yeah. um but yeah like and and but i do love vastri and, and jenny as a relationship because they're like they're proper like a power couple you know what i mean they're just yeah. like it's it's Proper relationship goals, I feel like, with those two. Um, right, hold on. Anyway, so, yeah, River so, wakes everyone up from the seance. Yeah, and because. The Grand Intelligence has reappeared in mm. Vastra's house. Yeah. And it Old, tells uh, them that the Doctor must go to Trenzalore. Mm hmm. 
which is never a good thing. Nope. Uh, so he's, he's essentially using the, the safety of, of uh, those people as bait. Yeah. For the Doctor. So when Clara wakes up, the Doctor is now in the house. Yeah. And he's playing, is it Marco Polo? Or Blind Man's Buff? Blind Man's Buff, yeah. With the children, because they wanted to go to the cinema. He taught them into playing this game. And as soon as he was blindfolded, they've run off to the cinema. <laughs> and I do like Matt Smith's line there of, oh, the little Daleks. Yeah. <laughs> so this is what I think is one of the best parts of this episode, when Clara reveals everything to the Doctor. Yeah. And oh, we, Smith's performance. We pretty much see yeah. Matt Smith portray every emotion. Yeah. He goes from like, okay, yeah, not really bothered. But then that bit where he sits quietly, head in his hand. Yeah. And I just thought, oh my God, shit's yeah. about to get real. Yeah. No, it's amazing. Because the thing is, we don't, especially from this doctor, we have never seen that. No, we've never and, seen him go to pieces that way. And every time we've come close, it sort of does a full 180, and he just gets really pissed off, and that's when he kicks yes. some ass. Yeah, 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 you yeah. Know, we've we've seen it. We've seen him it, go. It fires f- him up, and then yeah. you know you're in for a treat because he's going to go around demolishing everything. Yeah. You know, think but, about that scene with Rory where they're on. Is it the Cyberman ship? And mm-hmm. they go, well, where's the Doctor? And he's just flying around in the background, blowing everything up. Yes, yeah, you know, but this is not one of those is, moments. And the fact that you yeah. know that's not where this is going, again, pulled me in. Yeah, definitely. You know, if it it's, was it's just the Doctor moment. got up and it was like, right, let's sort this, I'd have mm. probably been disappointed. But the fact he know, or the fact he doesn't know what's coming, mm. you know, really intrigued me a bit. So... He goes to the TARDIS and he sinks um, Clara into the TARDIS to get the coordinates from her memory. Yeah. And he explains to her that Trenzalor's where he's, where he's buried. Yes. And as a time traveller, the one place you can never go is the place of your death. Mm. But... I mean, sure, maybe... I'm not, yeah. not going to question Moffat on that one. It's, it feels feels like a stretch to me, but okay. Seems a shame, because if I was a time traveller, my place of death would almost certainly just be in my house. I'd still mm-hmm. be coming back at the end of the day. But, then, <laughs> but this then leads into another bit of the episode I really like, yeah. where the Doctor gives his reasoning for going there. And he basically yeah. says that Vastra, Strax and Jenny were kind to him in his hour of need. You know, when he yeah. was at his weakest, when he was at his most flawed. And yeah. he says that he owes them. And outside his direct companions, we've never seen him have that sort of family relationship. No, no. And it, it makes you realise how much time must have passed for him between losing Amy and Rory... And meeting Clara in the Snowmen, there's that. It's it's quite a substantial gap in his timeline, mm. where where we're kind of picking up with him at the end of that, and and that's obviously the period in time in which he was basically, you know, just brooding away on his cloud, um, and the only people he really had, I think, let him get anywhere close to him were were those three. Mm. 
So, uh, yeah. So, they fly to Trenzalot, except the TARDIS fights going there and shuts mm-hmm. down. It doesn't want to go. Yeah. Um, so, it stops close to Trenzalot. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and then the Doctor has to disable the anti-grav. Yeah. Uh, to, uh, so it just comes, rather than the usual graceful dematerialization, yeah, it lands with a thump. Vomit. And they yeah. land in a cemetery. Yeah. Well, uh, Moffat loves a graveyard, doesn't he? Yeah. So this is a war graveyard. It's sort of filled with the people that passed in the Doctor's final battle. Uh-huh. And this is where we see the one bit of the episode that I would probably be most critical of. Right. Is the giant TARDIS. Yeah. I like... Okay, it's doing it's doing a lot of work here this moment because like he's Clara asks about why the graves are different sizes and he's saying oh it's to do with rank you know the higher the rank the bigger the gravestone and then it reveals his tomb. supposedly the doctor's grave and then that's explained away as like oh but it's it's literally the TARDIS and it's it's the the dimensions are breaking down so it's the it's getting bigger and. I know, but I, I, I sort of liked not knowing how big the TARDIS was. Yeah. The, the idea um, that it was potentially infinite added to well, the majesty of it. I don't think the implication here is, is, is that it stopped leaking. I think right. the implication is that this is still going on and eventually it could... I mean, who knows? Right. You know, so I, as far as I'm concerned, the, the TARDIS is still potentially infinite. Okay. It's just an ongoing process. But having said that, I... I think that the the visual on its own in isolation is very striking. Mm. I think the idea of dimensions leaking out is interesting and very... What I don't like about it is the subtext of the the Doctor being some kind of general, Mm. if you like. I, I don't know. I know what Moffat's going for with this and with a lot of this episode. Um... I don't know when when's a good time for me to say this, but basically, I said right at the top, I, I basically don't like this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's based because I the problem I have with it is similar to the problem I have with say a good man goes to war, where it's there is a lot of like interesting if you're interested in like mythologizing around the character of the Doctor and the status of that character and the importance of that character, then you've got, this. you know, it's an all-you-can-eat buffet. Mm-hmm. But if you'd want a satisfying story in its own right, it's not an adventure. And, like, at least with A Good Man Goes to War, it had a lot of action and a lot of different characters and explosions and things going on. This is a lot of standing around and talking yeah. about how important the Doctor is. And I find it a bit wearisome after a while. Um, I always go into it wanting to like this episode. And, and I think everything we've covered so far, I'm, I'm like, I actually really enjoy. Uh, though I find the, the sort of the seance dream logic thing a, a bit iffy, if I'm being honest. It's like it's a, it's quite a contrivance in order to get those characters together. Um, but that being the case, it's when we get to Trenzalore this point here that we're reaching this episode, this is where I start to just get a bit like, oh, can we not have, can we not have some people to save? Can we not have a bit of running about? Can we not? (laughs) 
Do you know what I mean? It stops feeling I like Doctor Who. I never thought I'd miss the running about. I love the running about. I live for the running about. Because, uh, to me, the running about is one of the key parts of Doctor Who's formula because it's a sh- it's it's a show about adventure in which the characters try to avoid violent resolutions to conflict at all costs. Not saying that they never do it because they do, but it's always the last resort and in a, a key way of showing that it's the last resort is having your characters trying to avoid the conflict earlier in the episode and that means sooner or later running down the corridor to yeah. get away from the thing so you can take take a breath and figure out what you're going to do about it. That's a key ingredient of, of Doctor Who for me. And we don't get it here. So it's like, it's a lot of lore and a lot of mythologizing and a lot of telling us how important the Doctor is and the, 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 the end note, that the revelation that it ends on blew my fucking mind. But it's like, as much as I love the destination, I don't feel the route we took to get there is the most satisfying, if that makes sense. Mm. But that's me. And a lot of people love this episode. and You enjoyed it. And I don't want to take that away from you. It's just, I guess I'm in. I look for different things out of Doctor Who than what this episode's providing, really, mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. Uh, but anyway, so that being said. As as they land on Trenzalore, the Whisper Men appear. Yep. And River appears to Clara because the yeah. doctor notices River Song's grave amongst all the other graves. And he yeah. says, well, why is her grave here? And River uh-huh. explains to Clara that perhaps her grave isn't actually her grave. It's a secret passage into the doctor's tomb, uh-huh. uh, which Clara then relays to the doctor. Yeah. And in they go. Off they go, yeah. So Vastra and Strax, on the other hand, have found the dead Jenny Flint. Except she's not fully dead, she's just had her heart stopped, so Strax uh-huh. immediately mends her. Yeah. And more whispers. Seems a bit convenient, doesn't it? Yeah. Kind of takes the drama out of that moment a bit, especially on second viewing, where you're like, oh, she's dead, but she's not. Yeah. She's got to get better very soon. <laughs> so, more whisper men appear, this time with Dr. Simeon. Yeah. So it's good to see him back. Yeah, good old Richard E. Grant, mm. your favourite actor. <laughs> so he tells them all about the battle the final yeah. battle of the Doctor and this is where I was going to talk about the Whisper Men so yes. the reason I thought that they're sort of devoid of any characteristics is because they're like husks for the Grand Intelligence because yes, he yeah, shows that he's can... able to you know when whatever body he's in passes he's able to move into another one Yes. So they're just like hollow shells, aren't they? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. It's a cool effect as well, like when he like rips his face off and then just yeah. crumples. Especially and when there's nothing behind a new one. it. Yes, yeah. So aboard the TARDIS tomb, Clara starts to remember past Clara mm-hmm. and future Clara. Well, it's specifically, she's flashing back to Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS. Because mm. remember, that that whole timeline was effectively rewritten. Yes. So all the conversation that they had together was undone. But because the TARDIS is, is like breaking down and wibbly wobbly, she's getting like weird flashbacks to memories she shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. 
um, which is an interesting conceit, and it it goes some way towards apologising for the ultimate pointlessness of Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS. Yeah, but I, but, I also like the idea yeah. that it sort of gives Clara a bit of a purpose, because whenever we've yeah. seen her, she goes on an adventure, and they usually end with her either dying or her memory being wiped. So ultimately, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Yes. Whereas now yeah. we're going to have, like, Uber Clara. Yeah, yeah. So the Doctor and Clara catch up with Vastra and her little team. Mm-hmm. And the intelligence says that speaking the name of the Doctor will open the tomb. Uh-huh. So what would you have done if, like, he just outright said his name? If that mystery was just revealed... Uh. If he just went, I, if they genuinely did it, you could easily head cannon it away and be like, "The great intelligence was mistaken. It was just a password. It wasn't his actual name." You know, there there are always routes out of things in Doctor Who because it's such a malleable universe. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, you compare it to say we mentioned previously Star Trek. The Star Trek universe is quite concrete. When stuff gets established, nobody wants to tinker with it. Mm. And, like, things will occasionally get retconned or... But people are, are usually quite respectful of building on top of what's already there or, or or whatever. Doctor Who, people just contradict and ignore and cherry-pick what they want and throw in random new stuff. And it's just this big old soup <laughs> what, what would you so, have done if they said like, very little phases me individually and so there's very little things that, that that someone could throw into Doctor Who that I can can't either just ignore or headcanon around if what, I don't like it what if he just said oh my name's Wilfred Mott <laughs> I'm just like totally uh, if he regenerated into Cribbins for his I, I'd be alright with that yeah, but if it just totally destroyed, <laughs> like, all... What if he said his name was Davros? I'd be up for that, a season of that, like, unpacking what that means. Because you could go a lot of different ways with that. What if he said his name was Matthew Neil Tucker? <laughs> that would be And weird. it just turned out I was the uh, Doctor all along. <laughs> and the only reason I wanted to do well, this podcast is secretly you've been my companion. Oh my god! But that, lost your memory, um, and these were all our adventures together. Um, I. And that then, would be troubling. And then you caught your <laughs> reflection in the mirror, and you were just Clara. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there are worse reflections to have. I'll put it that way. Yeah, and you look. It would be an improvement on my current look. And they're just Angie and Artie. <laughs> oh no! And you look down, and there's just souffle no. everywhere. No. Uh, yes, I, I hope at that point I would wake up. Um, yeah. But there anyway, you, there's my Doctor Who existential nightmare for you. It's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty full on. Yeah. Anyway, uh, shall we? I, I forget what this is. Where this is the kind of like the 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 sort of fuzzy bit of the episode for right. me. So the there's an man... awful lot of just talking at each yeah, other. Yeah, the Whisper Men attack all of the Doctor's friends until he says his right. name. Yeah. Uh, but all of a sudden, as if from nowhere, the door starts opening, and it turns out yeah. that Ghost River said his name, mm-hmm. and the door begins so no to one, open. Yeah, so no one else has to hear it. No. So Secret is safe. The tomb begins to open, 
and yeah. there's a bright light in the center of the TARDIS. Uh-huh. And that bright light is the Doctor's time stream. Yeah, and it, I, I like the effect of it because it's like, it's like this sort of twisting column. It looks sort of like almost like DNA strands at mm. moments, and uh, like it's got little branches splintering off. It's it's a good visual representation of what an ex- a time traveler's timeline could look like. You know, so he faints due to the paradox of potentially seeing his own future in the yeah. time stream. Yeah. And the Grand Intelligence wants to enter the time stream and undo all the Doctor's victories. Yes, yeah. So he's going to go in and every time the Doctor's won, he's going to change that. Every friendship he's going to destroy. And not just just the times he's thwarted the Great Intelligence. No. Literally every single victory. Yeah. So he enters and all the Whisper Men disappear. Uh Uh-huh. And Simeon begins rewriting it all. Yeah. Even, and, and as well, the Doctor says, like, you know, it will erase you as well. And he's just like, yep, don't give a shit. Yeah. This is worth it. Like, I love how petty the great intelligence is yeah. in this. So it's like, Clara, he I is... hate you that much. I am willing to erase myself from history in the process. Is there anything you hate that much that you would do that? Nah. I think for me, it's giraffes. What have you got against giraffes? Uh, they're just long-necked, snide little bastards. Hate them. What, what have giraffes ever done to you? Uh, just not a fan. They bit, do they bully you in school or something? <laughs> yeah, just not a fan. So you, you're genuinely willing to erase yourself from, from history, history. If, it, to, if it means to, we get rid of giraffes. Yeah, to prevent mankind ever having the negativity of giraffes in yeah. their lives. Well, the the tops of some trees, I'm sure, would be happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just the first thing that popped in my head. <laughs> I could tell. So, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't even justify my choice there. <laughs> so, Clara hears Vastra mention the Dalek Asylum. Yeah. And Vastra points out that the stars are disappearing. So, all the wars the Doctor had won and saved have now been undone, so there's just destruction across the universe. Yeah. Jenny dies, because the Doctor had never been present when she was saved. Yeah. And Strax turns evil, as the Doctor's deeds had never sort of warmed his heart. Yeah, so he turns never sort on of Vastra. gotten cosy with, with humanity and stuff like that, so yeah, he's back to proper warlike Sontaran. So It's kind of sad, isn't it? It's like it's like watching, watching a, a a, a friendly dog turn or something, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, didn't like it's quite that upsetting. Bit. So but, uh, Clara sort of pieces together everything. So the fact that she's appeared to the Doctor in the past and the future, she realizes it's because she's entered his time stream. Yeah. So she works out she has to jump in because she already has. Yeah, basically, this like it's it's the only way out. Um, yeah. So she says that, you know, everyone's got to leave as soon as she does. Mm-hmm. And actually, she says, run, you clever boy, and remember. I've never liked that. But it's the fact she says, remember me. Me, yeah. So, you know, all the times we've heard that phrase, it's been incomplete. It was... Yes, yeah. But I don't know. It's like, I, at least we've got closure on it, I guess. I've never liked that as a sort of catchphrase it seems a bit forced and 
Yeah. Like kind of icky. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It just, uh, I don't know. It's a bit. It's not for me. It's a bit like when the Cybermen started saying delete all the time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I just, I don't need it. I don't need it really. But anyway. But, so then we. So she goes of, in. She. We sort of see yeah. the beginning again with her leading and influencing yeah. the past doctors. She wasn't yes. just present. She's been sort of righting the wrongs of the Grand Intelligence. Yeah, just kind of just keeping him on track. Yeah, yeah basically. And so we we get the the final reveal of what she says to the first Doctor, which is, "Don't take that TARDIS. Take this one." Yeah, and she says so that the, the navigation. She says you're about to make a terrible mistake. Yeah, where actually. The mistake was he was going to go in a different TARDIS. He's going to get, yeah, one that worked properly. Yeah. Instead of a knackered old Type 40. So, and she, as she says, you know, the navigation's knackered, but you'll have way more fun. So, uh, having seen this, yeah. the Doctor, you know, is panicking. And it turns out all along he's been able to see Ghost River. Yeah. So, I think, she, does she go to slap him to, like, wake him up or something? And he catches yeah, her Yeah, he just catches her arm, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> and that was a moment I thought was quite good. And it turns out... I, I understand why it's powerful for a lot of people. I don't like it because it, it's one of those things that just turns the Doctor into a wizard. Well, yeah, but... It makes no... It, there is no logical... Uh, there is no, like, pseudoscience gobbledygook you can... Mate really make to it's explain Doctor Who it's all gobbledygook can... pseudoscience it's a programme about time travelling but... alien with two hearts yeah I know but I it's funny isn't it how am I you're, justifying you're Doctor Who to you <laughs> no that's the thing though you're not wrong it's a very silly show I was just talking about how malleable and bendy it is there's very little you can find that completely does but everyone has their own sort of like boundaries with it and and I get that, and, and I don't know why this is one for me, but it is. I just see that moment. I'm just like, Doctor shouldn't be able to do that. That doesn't feel right to me, and I can't really articulate it any better than that. I, but I do like the bit where they kiss, and he says, "Well, no one else can see you, so that must have looked weird." <laughs> yep, and just the cutaway to uh, the Paternoster gang, yeah. <laughs> just sort of like looking at each other, just like. <laughs> so he plans uh, to enter yeah. his own time stream. Yeah. And to save Clara. But River points out that she exists solely due to her link to Clara. So yeah. if Clara's dead, how is River present? Yes. So the Doctor jumps in anyway. Yeah. And we see that when she jumped into the time stream, Clara lands on this like rocky shelf. Yeah. And sees all the old Doctors. Yeah, they're all sort of rushing past... And um, the Doctor sort of leads her back to safety. He's going to pull mm-hmm. her out of this time mm-hmm. stream. Mm-hmm. But before he does, we see a new Doctor. <laughs> so, here we are. Oh, hold on, let's just finish the episode, then we'll yeah, go yeah. to town okay. on this. Okay. Okay. And Clara says, no, that can't be you. You know, I've seen you all. You're the 11th one. I don't know who yeah. that is. And he says, well, he's you've seen all of the Doctor, but you haven't seen all of me. That's mm. the one who broke the promise. Yeah, because he says, the name you give yourself is like a promise. You know, he chose the name Doctor. Yeah. Um, and the things he did, he... Yeah. So... He's the one who broke the promise. So this unseen Doctor that broke the promise turns around 
and it's fucking John Hurt. It is fucking John Hurt. And it's John Hurt. As the Doctor. <laughs> as the Doctor. It says so on the television. It's in, in letters. They wrote it out for you, just in case there was any ambiguity. So, in the way you talked about Richard E. Grant, yeah. I'm going to talk about John Hurt. Go, go for it. Because I love him. I yeah. have never seen anything with him in where I've thought, oh, this is all right. He's, mm-hmm. uh, I love him. I love him. So I've got his Wikipedia up and let, let's yeah. just run through some of these. Yeah. Okay. So I, I'm sort of just going to go through the ones that I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. Okay. Earliest one, Watership Down. Ah, uh, Yeah. Okay. I don't like to think about that film, but yeah. He was Aragorn in the animated Lord of the Rings film. Oh, I really want to rewatch that. The 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 Ralph Bakshi one. Yeah. Yeah. I need to rewatch that. Probably my favourite role of his. He was Kane in Alien. Yeah, he was indeed. John Merrick in The Elephant Man. Yeah, I've never watched The Elephant Man. I keep meaning to. That was the one that I think really made him a household name for a lot of people. Mm. Because it's, a, I've I've seen clips. It's an amazing performance. Winston Smith in nineteen eighty four. I've never seen the film adaptation of nineteen eighty four. I should, and I didn't know he was in it. Oh, that's made me more interested in watching that. I mean, we'll take a little bit of a left turn here. He was in Spaceballs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is he? I don't. What? Who is he in Spaceballs? Uh, he plays a character called Kane, which is the same name as the. Character. Oh yes, yeah. He's uh, uh, yeah. There's an a, there's a sequence where they reference Alien. Mm. He's in that. Yeah, I've forgotten about that. Yeah. Okay, so he was in King Ralph. I don't know if you've seen that, but no, I've heard of it. It's a comedy thing, isn't it? Yeah. He was in Rob yeah. Roy. Hmm. Uh, he was in Contact. Contact is like one. For the years, I've wanted to watch Contact and I've never seen it. And and it's what you know. Do you have certain films where you just like every so often you'll pop on Netflix or whatever and just check to see if it's on. Yeah. And and you're always disappointed because it never is. Contact is that film for me. Every so couple of months, just like I, I always pop Contact, contact on with the film Sphere. Right. Right. Basically, Contact's outer space and Sphere's under the ocean. Yeah. But Contact's the better of the two. Okay. Yeah, he, I mean, I'm just interested because I'm a big Carl Sagan fan, and and so, hmm. and it's obviously adapted from his novel. So I'm he, he narrated to... the Tigger movie. Got to be some of his best work. He was in Captain Corelli's Mandolin. Mm-hmm. He was. Get, let's just cut to the chase. John Hurt's fucking brilliant. Hold on, because there's good ones still to go. He was okay, 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 in Harry Potter. So he was. He was Hellboy's dad in Hellboy, mm-hmm. and Hellboy Two. He's in V for Vendetta. Uh, Is he? He was in Indiana Jones and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. He was probably the best in that film. Probably. Uh, Yeah, more Harry Potter, more Harry Potter. He was in Snowpiercer. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and that's before we get onto his television. So, I I, I can't praise him enough. I love John Hurt. and. Yeah, I, I mean, I texted you yesterday. I was like, I'm really looking forward to this secret series of Doctor Who. No one talks about where John Hurt is the Doctor. Because <laughs> I, I would watch. Wouldn't that, that all be day. something? Wouldn't that be something? So, I have three possible predictions. Okay, hit me with them. Okay, so the 
Can I check? Can I just quickly check? You you genuinely were surprised by this. This had not been spoiled for you. No, because the Cause way I, I know I've... it, it goes yeah. Tennant, Smith, Capaldi. But fuck Capaldi. Yeah. Who needs yeah. him? <laughs> I mean, wash your mouth out with that. But anyway, um, that I'm just I was I've tried so hard to protect you from spoilers with this. You have no idea. Do you remember when I was livid about uh, a mate of ours? tagging you into that uh, build your own TARDIS team thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because John Hurt's fucking there, listed as the Doctor in amongst all the others. No, but it shows how little attention I pay. Yeah, it does. You were just obsessed with K-9. And I'm, I'm <laughs> grateful that you that you missed it. You know, and then when you I think playing... all you needed to do to distract me was like wave a tennis ball like I was a yeah. dog. And, I'd have just and you know you know that um, 2038 game that, that they did with, with the Doctors called 13? Yeah. I was like, God, I, and you started playing that. And I was just like, God, I hope Matt's not good at this because if he gets as far as John Hurt, he's going to be very confused. No, never got that far. Because <laughs> he's in there, you know. Um, so I'm so glad that you weren't spoiled on this because it's just, it's out there. And like, people don't go out of their way to spoil new people, but like, there are memes, there's well, official merchandise. Like, you know, he's... They're on the box of my Doctor Who board game that I've got, you know. I mean, this was seven years ago, so I suppose by yeah. now spoilers are like fair game. You'd you'd think, yeah, but it's like, but it's such a lovely surprise if you can protect someone from that. It's I think it works so much better. But anyway, yes. Yeah, so go on, hit me with your theories. Right. So it, it's made really clear that John Hurt is the Doctor. Yes. Okay. Despite what. Matt Smith says to the yeah. country. So, my first inclination was because we saw it in this episode, he yeah. could be the earliest doctor. He could be the doctor before we've seen the doctor. Right, pre Hartnell. Yeah. Because that could be the reason why. I don't think we ever get. I've, certainly, I'm not aware of it. The reason why he's fleeing Gallifrey. It, it, we, it, you certainly, of, of what you've seen, it's never been outright okay. stated. So, he could no. be pre-Doctor Doctor yes. who maybe did something horrible and that's mm -hmm. why they needed to flee Gallifrey. Yeah. Okay. I then went to the other extreme and he could be the final Doctor. Ah. Okay, that's like why the he's... The very a, last incarnation. You know, because we've seen the Doctor dies on a battlefield. Yeah. So if he's done something horrible, that could be it. Yeah. It could be, you yeah. know, this finality to the character... Because then mm -hmm. we don't have to worry about there being other Doctors. Yes. Because they're going to come before this Doctor. Yeah. And then my third one, and this is the one I'm least confident in, uh -huh. is that potentially he's somewhere in the middle of the Doctor's timeline. Right. Where would you put him, do you think? Well, the only logical place I can think, and it's simply because I haven't seen it, is between... The film and Eccleston, which is the time right. war, because yeah. each other one. I, I mean, I remember from you know before doing this podcast, the only thing I'd seen was the film, and I remember yeah. the Doctor does regenerate in the film. Yes, yeah, you see seen... the regeneration from McCoy into uh, um, McGann. So yeah. the missing regeneration is between McGann and Eccleston. Yeah which is the period of the Time War. Yeah. So is it possible that McGann turned into John Hurt, 
who did a horrible thing in the Time War, which we know mm-hmm. the Doctor's not happy about. Yeah. And then turned into Eccleston. That is my it's third prediction. So I think. Uh, but you say that's the one that you're least confident in. Simply because. Uh, but then at the same time, I was going to say simply because the Doctor's never mentioned it, but he doesn't like talking about the Time War. And no. whenever he does, he says, oh, I did a bad thing. Mm. So maybe well, that's th- actually the one I'm most confident in. Well, um, what what do we get from, from out of John Hurt's mouth in this episode? He doesn't say much, but he says, what I did, I did in the name of peace and sanity. Yeah. And Matt Smith retorts, but not in the name of the Doctor. Yeah. That's all we get. So actually then, I think he's either the earliest Doctor or the middle Doctor. And actually, mm. my, I'm least confident. Because if... I don't know, because the fact that he's a time traveller confuses everything. Because if he was the final Doctor, I was going to say, well, Matt Smith wouldn't know what's coming, but actually he could just mm. go forward in time and find out. He could have had previous interactions with him. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th- I think he's either the first Doctor or... I don't know, because you have to make a lot of leaps in logic and it doesn't necessarily fit in with what I understand about the character, that he'd be this time war character. Mm. You know, my understanding has always been it goes McCoy, McGann, into Eccleston. Yeah. So, I don't know, they've got to have a big set of balls if they're just going to insert another Doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, I think you'll probably just have to wait and see. I mean, I'm certainly not going to spill the beans now. I'm excited just to have John Hurt. So there, there we are. This is our big twist going into the 50th anniversary special, The Day of the Doctor. Now can you see why I was excited about getting to this episode? Yeah. Is that what we're watching <laughs> next week? We have got a couple of little detours en route before we get there. Okay. If you don't mind the indulgence, you or the listeners, I don't know who's going to be more annoyed. I'm, I'm going to lay it out now. So uh, next week we are doing our final classic Doctor Who um dip we are doing the eighth doctor so it, it technically this will be the first time we'll be talking about something you've already seen yeah which will be exciting when when did it come out a long I, I time think, ago was about... 1996 oh, so i was so, 11 yeah i was 10 at the time or maybe nine i forget which the exact date but anyway nine or ten mm. um but yeah so it'll be fun to revisit that uh it's not necessarily good but it's interesting <laughs> um and so that's next week's episode. That's episode 99. Then the following Saturday, it's going to be a bonus episode. Sorry, listeners. It's not going to be a regular episode. And it's going to be a special treat for you, Matt, because for the first time ever, we won't be talking about an episode of Doctor Who. You won't have to watch any Doctor Who Okay. for that episode. Uh, instead, you'll be watching a feature-length docudrama about the making of Doctor Who. <laughs> So that's something to look forward to, isn't it? You still there, Matt? Yep. (laughs) It's called An Adventure in Time and Space. No, it's An Adventure in Space and Time, I believe. Yeah. Um, And that will be a special treat for you and for our listeners. Uh, And then we will get to episode 100. 
uh, and we will discuss the day of the doctor and we'll do our poetry readings and all the rest of it. So um, so that's how things are shaping up for the next uh, for the next three weeks. You're, you're very upset right now, aren't you? Why don't you capitalise capitalize on all my optimism? I'm in such a good place. <laughs> An Adventure in Space and Time was another thing that was released around the 50th anniversary. And I feel like it needs to be part of the build-up. Because if we do it afterwards, then it'll just be a bit of a disappointment, maybe. You know, we got it. You know, the Day of the Doctor, that's the peak of the mountain that's the summit so you know there's got to be a bit of a climb to get there it's all about 1960s classic who who knows it might surprise you it might just surprise you we've got to do it i'm sorry it's non-negotiable for reasons i can't really go into right now okay we've got to do it and i and you know what our listeners will want us to do it they'd be very disappointed if we didn't oh fuck them <laughs> oh great okay yeah brilliant fantastic <laughs> I haven't even told you who wrote it I don't it's Mark to... Garrett hold on I've got the wiki in it oh no <laughs> I've got the wikipedia no <laughs> no <laughs> oh, right okay at least you're not watching Doctor Who that. It's a week off for you. It's a holiday. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> uh, so, um, so yeah, join us next week, listeners, when we'll be discussing the 1996 television backdoor pilot film, Doctor Who. It has no other name. It's just called Doctor Who. Um, and until then, thank you very much for listening. And... Cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.